Hello, and welcome to episode 153 of Constructed Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Sean Keenan, creator of XTC Infinity Issue 1, now on Kickstarter until October 18th, 2020. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructed Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Um, Before we get into uh, making comics talk, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the stuff that you make? Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me, guys. Um, My name's Sean Keenan. Uh, I'm from Melbourne, Australia. I own and run the publishing company called Comics to Movies. Uh, We have the number one selling uh, comic here in Australia called the Extreme Champion Tournament. And we also publish series Terra Olympus, uh, horror graphic novel Dead Man's Land, which is done by Spartacus actor Barry Duffield. And we've also got two new series coming out later this year, Talos of Sparta and Fractured Shards. That's awesome. That's really cool, like to have a, uh, to have a to be like to have that claim to fame of having the best selling, uh, the best selling comic on a continent. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's um I haven't been in the industry for for that long, so it's been quite a, a fast and and um you know wild ride uh, type of thing. But I am someone that uh, you know as much as I enjoy creating, I also put a, a large emphasis on the business side of uh, comic book creating. And I think that has, has helped me um, succeed and sell so many, many issues as well, rather than you know, just being solely creative. And that's a claim that like, I guess only seven people in, in the world can make, right? To, to be the best selling, uh, you know, publisher on the, on the continent. Uh, yes, seven continents. Yes, that's right. I think. I think so. Yeah, you put me on awesome. the spot there. I'm right. No, I mean, like this is actually. I'm kind of more giddy that we got someone who can say that on this podcast. I'm like, wow, that's cool. Um, that that's so awesome. So, did you uh, have you always been a, a writer or a creative person um, in your career? And uh, was it always comics, or was it something else before comics? Well, for for me, um, I would say that I haven't really been a, a creative person. I've always liked entertainment. Uh, so I got into to comics as a very, very young kid. I struggled to uh, read as a child. And um, my mum was quite, I guess, progressive in the fact that um, she bought me comic books to help me uh, read. And then after I you know, fell in love with comics, she would still buy them for me, but made me then... Uh, transfer and read into into novels so that's how I got into into comics and then I've always loved film and uh, expanded universes and and all that type of stuff but it wasn't until I was much older that um, one I realized that I was a a visual learner hence why comics and graphic novels was uh, was something that helped me uh, read and and learn and, and that type of stuff but my wife was speaking to me about what I wanted to kind of do with my life. I'd always kind of fallen into certain jobs that I'd done. And uh, she was like, well, really think about what do you want to do? And, you know, always, you know, it was the rise of the comic book conventions here in Australia. I was really loved comics. I really loved film. And, and I was like, you know, I would really like to create something. I really like to, to own my own business and do something different. And, you know, I looked at what type of, publishers were out there and and thought that there was a gap in the marketplace 
and uh, yeah, just dived head headlong into this crazy uh, comic book industry, uh, and um, yeah, you know, have been um, plugging away ever since. That's awesome. That's so really cool. You said um, earlier in that answer that you were a bit of a visual learner. Do you think that uh, the visuals in, in comics were uh, a way to help you sort of, um, you know, handle that uh, learning to, to read? One, 100%. This is a, a real passion uh, of mine. I've, I've started to connect with libraries and schools here in Australia. Um, to actually show how this type of medium can help those people that, that uh, are struggling to, to read and write. Um, so for me, you know, with any job that I do, if you show me how to do something, um, once I've done it a couple of times, I'm very, very good at picking something up. But I always struggled when I tried to do uh, schooling or, or um, university because, you know, someone would be standing up there preaching me, um, you know, the, the methods of doing stuff, but not physically showing me. And it, and it took me quite a while to, to realize that that's how I learned. So, you know, this is something I'm really passionate about to show educators and to show libraries and, and to show people that graphic novels can be, you know, some, a really good tool to help both young children, uh, that that fourteen to, to twenty age mark as well, if they're they're struggling at uh, that high school level, and um, you know, and then even adults after that. That's that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I have a uh, I have a friend, and he moved from Puerto Rico, which is a territory of the United States of America, um, but they speak Spanish there. And he moved with his mother and they both came to the States and neither he or his mother could speak English, but he sort of had a sort of uh, artistic background and comic books were what taught him how to speak uh, English because he was drawn to the pictures and he would get the comics and with the visual cl clues of the, the visuals, he was able to start to, to figure out words of English. So actually comic books were the way that he sort of accelerated his um, way of learning English when he moved to the States, which is a pretty interesting story. Yeah, and we've got such a multicultural country here in Australia. We've got like, you know, um, uh, we allow a certain amount of the population of immigrants to come in each year. So even, as you said, even that is a great tool to be able to help people people learn and it's funny you know now you see like even on government materials like uh rather than just putting a whole heap of text they will actually do your old school you know comic strips in regards to trying to explain something especially if someone is not uh, uh doesn't speak english or english is is not their first language so it is a tool that we've kind of used uh you know almost from the, the dawn of time in regards to cavemen drawing pictures on, on walls. I just don't know what happened over the last 40 years that people have kind of pigeonholed uh, comics as, as a, a child or a, a kid medium type of thing. So I'm trying to break down those, those barriers and those walls and, and show people that it's, um, it is for everyone. And the more you see 
uh, comics and that in entertainment and on on the silver screen and on the on your small screen, I think people are slowly realizing that it's not just superheroes. Comics can yeah. be, you know, just a really good story about anything. It doesn't doesn't have to be just superheroes. Yeah, I like to brag that on this podcast we've had we can probably count on our fingers the number of guests who actually have written su- like strictly superhero comics or come on to promote a superhero comic. Most of the time it's it's like varying genres from, you know, science fiction to fantasy to horror. One time we had a guy on, he was doing like biographical comics about him and his wife's experiences. And uh, wow. yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, it is an art form. So, and that was actually going to lead into my next question was, was there a comic that you read around the time you decided you wanted to write or you, did you have a comic in mind that you were like, I want to create something like that? Uh, for for readers well for for me i'm i'm a, a 90s boy so uh my, one, one of the first comics that really got me into into uh the the comic industry was uh jim lee's run on the x-men mm-hmm. um so you know a lot of people that were born around my my era will, will say the the similar thing so um without uh, knowing it at the time, when I look back at the the beginning of the story and how um, XCT has has evolved, um, it does have some similarities between the X Men and that. So, um, just a little bit of background on XCT: they take all the world's uh, greatest fighters uh, from history and time, they clone them, and then they retrain them and force them to fight in this extreme champion tournament. So, uh, not only is it you know, people will think, oh, it's just an action film you, you, uh, or action series. You'll see, you know, two people fighting off against each other. Yes, that is right. But the uh, underlining uh, social issues there are, you know, us treating them as second-class citizens, you know, because they're different to us or we, we deem them, you know, uh, not fully human or, or however you want to demonise them type of thing. So there's a lot more layers than that to the story. And I think that was what, really got me about x-men was that you could read it for the action and the and the fanfare and all that type of stuff but there was really good moral undertones in the story it was not you know um slapping your face oh you know uh political but it let you come to to some realizations yourself and i think that's what i'm really passionate about and the way our storytelling is told is that you know uh there are those moral undertones and then we let the readers come to realizations and that themselves that's really cool. We were actually, it's funny, like in the last month, we've had a lot of people on who sort of say the same thing. We had a guy on uh, last month who was doing something similar with his comic or explaining a similar sort of motivation for it, you know, that you can read it as a superhero book or a fight book, but then also you can sort of draw parallels to, to civil rights um, issues at the same time. And, uh, and I think... I think yeah. that's great depending on the, the age group that reads it, you know, so, so you appeal to that young audience and the kids are like, oh, you know, you know, this character is fighting this character and that's cool. And then you get that, that middle-aged group that kind of pick up on some of those moral undertones and then you have the adults that look at it and see all those moral undertones. And I think that's what is beautiful about comics and, and graphic novels is that uh, depending on who reads it, gets a certain part out of what you're writing and what what you're creating 
And it's also something that's often missing in indie comics, especially, especially when, you know, when you're an indie comic, you need to really rely on genre to sell your books. So that's often doesn't leave a lot of room for subtext in a lot of indie comics. So for a comic to have subtext, that's always a great thing, at least from where, from being a comics reader myself, that's a rare thing. And it's a good thing to have uh, because it's like any other story form. You can have, you can have multiple layers to your stories. It doesn't just have to be one thing. Yeah, I think the the hardest thing, especially in Australia, that I've that I've noticed is that you'll always get an issue one. Uh, majority of the time, you'll get an issue two, but then you start to see uh, creators stop around the issue three, four, less at five. You know, very rarely get to six, so on and so forth. So it's quite hard to tell you know, a really complex and interesting story when uh, you can only, you know, get to one or two comics before the, the comic falls over. And, um, you know, I was a bit naive when I came into the industry. I had this massive vision for the very first comic I was ever going to <laughs> to, to create and, uh, and got a, a rude awakening very, very quickly uh, about uh, indie creating. But uh, we've been very... Uh, lucky, fortunate, and also a lot of hard work that uh, has allowed us to to continue the series. Um, you know, we moved away from a single issue format to a graphic novel format, so that we could uh, tell more of a story. Uh, we were able to release them a little bit more on a regular schedule to keep people interested, because that's the other thing that's hard with an indie schedule is you might get one now and then you don't get one for another 12 months. And then it's six to 18 months later after that again for another one. So we wanted to make sure that we're at the forefront of people's minds uh, when they were thinking about uh, independent comics and, and that here in Australia. That's awesome. So looking at this uh, Kickstarter page, uh, this is uh, a five-issue series. So do you have uh, everything written and, and, and plotted out? Like what is your sort of uh, uh, development uh, to this point with this series? Uh, no, I don't. So, so my writer is absolutely going to, to kill me uh, about, <laughs> about two weeks prior uh, uh, probably a little bit longer than that, about three or four weeks prior to our launch, because um, this mini series is uh, a crossover between a uh, video game company here in here in Australia. So it's the first time a um, independent uh, game company and an independent comic book has come together to do a crossover event. So um, that's what's really exciting about this. It's the first time it's ever been done in Australia. But on top of that, and, and why my writer is, a, is a, a little bit annoyed with me, is that we also decided that we wanted to do something a little bit different and something that had people um, more engaged and more interactive. So what we've done is at the end of each of these five issues, there is multiple um, options for the reader to choose and vote on. So we'll have a website uh, available that people will go up and be able to vote for about three months 
on a certain direction that they will like to see the series going and then we will create it based on what the the fans uh fans vote for so it's a bit of a throwback to that old dc versus marvel where you used to be able to phone call to to vote on who you wanted to see win when they were fighting off against each other so um we're very excited that it's um you know the first time it's ever been done in this format within Australia um, and also the first time a, a crossover of this type of event has, has been done as well. So, so yeah, so that is the, the short answer is no, it hasn't been <laughs> all written out. We've got an idea of where, where the, we, we've got the mini series, um, the main story arc and everything, but where it takes place, who we kill off, um, all those type of things will actually be based on, on the fans, uh, fans choices. Very cool. So is Infinity Heroes the uh, video game that's that's tied into this? Correct. Yeah. So so they've uh, been around since uh, 2012. Uh, their first game came out in 2014 called Infinity Wars. Um, and it's a, like a Magic the Gathering style or Hearthstone um, style game. So it's uh, got a uh, deck of cards. You've got your your main hero. You've got eight support cards, and then you fight off against a, another another player, whether that be an AI or um, someone that is you know, international. It's a cross uh, platform uh, game type of thing. So uh, it was really cool. The way we came about this was that they had asked to have our IP in the game. So um, the other thing with this is that you've got XCT going into the into the game. So our main hero Spartacus is is a hero in the game. We've designed eight other cards for his deck. So uh, as part of the Kickstarter, you can get uh, the game, uh, the Spartacus unlock, and all of his cards as well. So. Uh, it's a, a very cool, very interesting, and, and unique, uh, unique idea. Very cool. So I'm guessing uh, since you guys beat Marvel to uh, the Infinity War title, that's uh, you guys. You guys can stake claim to that, right? Uh, I don't. I don't know how that uh, how that works. I think uh, Infinity Wars. Um, yeah, I don't know whether it was just trademarked here in Australia or, or how that. How that works would probably be a question I need to ask the um, the video game company. But uh, it's been around for a while. Uh, they've uh, had, I think, about a million players over the the last uh, six or seven years. So it's uh, been quite a big game in um, Asia, Australia, and that as well. So, do you guys have a, a lot of shops uh, in Australia that are? Uh, game focused uh because i i know like in the states um there was you know we we had the speculation boom of the 90s and you know almost every town had a had a comic book shop and then and then that went went away and a lot of our shops right now are sort of a combination of a uh a comic shop and uh, like, you know, uh, Magic the Gathering and, and, and other sort of games like that. So do you, do you have a lot of that in Australia? No, unfortunately, because we've got such a um, small population. So Australia is about the size of the, um, the whole, whole of US, but we've only got 22 million people um, in our whole country. So uh, 
although we're such a and we're spread out quite quite um quite a lot so we've got a few comic book stores and i guess they're across between uh you know they have game nights and and that type of stuff and then we do have a chain of um game stores uh but yeah not as many as you would think and not as many as you know a lot of us will, would like i think with uh, the increased popularity around comic books and everything that that might change in the future. But you know, when COVID hits, uh, retail has taken quite a, quite a big uh, hit in regards to, to uh, being able to stay alive in this environment. I can imagine. Yeah. That's, and uh, you know, I was going to ask about that, how the comic community because uh, I, I listened to another podcast where the two co where the two hosts are in Australia, and they said recently that uh, you guys went into another quarantine for another couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Yep. Sorry, so we, uh, really, this is a good time to launch a Kickstarter, not not in a sarcastic way, because people need entertainment right now. Yeah, one hundred percent. So for for me, uh, this is my thirteenth Kickstarter, but um, this year alone, uh, it is my uh, third Kickstarter that we've we've launched this year, and I've got another two uh, going to run by by the end of the year. So for my business, we usually, um, you know, generate most of our income from comic book conventions. So I travel all around Australia, New Zealand, and then I do a couple of international shows a year, and that's where we generate most of our income. So we're like, okay, we've got none of that now. Um, how do we keep creating and uh, and do that so that we can you know stay afloat and and be sustainable? But um, Kickstarter is a, a great a great platform for that, and a lot of people will be saying, "Oh, well, you know, do you think it's wrong asking asking for money during this period in in regards to you know everyone struggling in that?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, the money we raise on Kickstarter, I don't I don't get that money." That money goes towards my artist, my writer, uh, the printer, the letterer, uh, you know, all of these places. So that means my artist can can keep, you know, surviving and, and doing what he's doing. It means the printer that, you know, has lost a lot of business because no one's printing is still able to keep their doors open. So I think that's what some people don't realize is that, you know, yes, you're you're generating a certain amount of money that you're raising for these type of things, but it's it's helping out uh, the the economy. It's actually helping out all these different people um, and and their situations as well. So we've decided to to keep doing these regularly, and uh, we've been more productive uh, since the, the March uh, when we had our first lockdown than we have probably the the two or three years prior so that's awesome that's inspiring too it's always good to hear people keep creating you know because you clearly have a love for it and a love for giving something to people and uh to hear that you're still inspired to create during a time that can really beat you down that that's amazing yeah i think the one feeling I, I, I never get tired of is that uh, that moment you get the books and you get to open up the box. Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel like I'm a, a high school kid again, mm-hmm. you know, getting that next issue from, from the, the month before, uh, you know, type of thing. And, you know, the anticipation, the smell of the pages, uh, that might sound a bit freaky, but I don't know. It's just, I get it. 
I, oh, yeah. I never, I never get tired of that feeling. And then the other one is that when you do a show or you get an email or you get something on Facebook when when someone goes, oh man, I just, I really loved that book and and you know, uh, it it you know, I was feeling really crap and you know, I read your book and, and it took me out of my funk or any of those type of things, that makes it you know all worthwhile. I I, I could you know something happened to me tomorrow and I'd, I'd be be quite happy and content with with what I've what I've created and, and what I've put out in the world and I think that's you know something pretty amazing to to know that uh with my comics and and what I've created that you know 20 30 40 100 years from now they could still be in libraries for for generations to enjoy and that's that's pretty special yeah that is and that's yeah uh, that's beautiful yeah so yeah that's awesome. Uh, so um, Ben is the, the, the writer of this book. Uh, how did you two guys uh, hook up to, to handle the, you know, you as the creator editor and Ben as the writer? Um, one, how did you guys come together? And two, how do you guys uh, delegate sort of who's handling uh, which aspects of, of the book? Yeah, I think um, what I learned very, very early on within the, the indie industry is uh, surround yourself with really good people and people that are better at things than you are. So for me, I, I liked writing. Uh, I enjoy writing, but it was not probably one of my strengths. So to be able to team up with someone and pass that um that part of the project over, I found the story to be 10 times better than, than what I even had in my head. And, um, you know, was really able to see out of vision that, you know, I kind of had in my head, but I wasn't able to, to write myself. So as I mentioned before, I'd done a lot of conventions and through conventions, you meet a lot of other creators and um, Ben happened to be a friend of a friend. So, um, you know, my mate Mark, he was friends with him and uh, he introduced me to him. And, um, you know, I was getting to a point where I wanted to do some more series. Uh, I wanted to create more of a publishing uh, business. And uh, I just reached out to Ben and said, oh, you know, I know you're not writing anything at the moment. Would you be interested in taking over the, the writing duties on, on XCT? And, you know, we went back and forth a little bit. He, he wanted to make sure that he kind of had a little bit of creative rights and, and everything like that. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll take over just more of an editing role. Here are the plot points that I really want you to, to hit because um, these are the, the things that are really important that I want to tell within the story. But pretty much everything else, I'll now let you have that creative control over. And that's worked really well. Um, there will be some points that we, we go back and forth uh, on. Uh, this mini series was was one of them. He, he really didn't want to kind of do the fan interaction <laughs> thing because it makes writing very very hard when you don't uh, don't know 100% the direction. So uh, I kind of have overridden him a couple of times, but he he's been absolutely amazing to to work with. And um, you know, the more you work with with someone in the same team, the the better and better your work gets and that I feel is really highlighted in, in my XCT series. That's so cool. And uh, 
with the with the series itself um and like with like the characters that you guys are writing so is that like is that a fun challenge for you guys writing these characters that you know might possibly die off in the next issue um yeah it is because i've always been a really firm uh believer that a story needs a beginning a middle and an end and certain characters will help develop other characters and the one i always use i was always a, a big fan of sons of anarchy and um spoiler alerts if you, you haven't watched the the series but uh the the character opie is a fantastic character in the, in the series and and it is really um Jax is the other main character he's uh anchor to to kind of doing the right thing now Opie's story arc kind of there was nowhere else for him to go so they've they killed him off and killed him off in a very dramatic fa fashion that then had Jax kind of lose himself because of it and that for me is really good storytelling so um, I've never been scared to kill off um, one of our, our characters, but it needs to be for the right reason and have some sort of effect on the rest of the, the story. So I did mention before that our characters are, are clones and the one thing that I wanted to, to make sure is that um, if you have that sort of dramatic impact that they just can't, can't come back. So there are laws that we've put... Um, and set in place and are explained in the series on why you can't uh, clone a, uh, or sorry, reclone a clone. Um, so that when they do get killed off, there there is that dramatic effect and you're just like, okay, um, Captain America is, is just back again and, you know, everything's back to normal. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. And uh, when you're uh, when you're deciding on what clones you want to put in, is that sort of driven by the story or like, and then there's no right or wrong answer to this. It's just a, just a general question. Do you, is, is it drawn by the story or is it more like, I, I really want to see Spartacus fight uh, Genghis Khan kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, a little bit of both. This is my Achilles heel. I love yeah. world building. Absolutely love world building um, to the point um, that, you know, I will spend hours upon hours doing research and everything like that so um sometimes it'll be a, a show that i've watching or something that'll come up on my uh, news feed or, or or something like that about a historical character or figure that i've never heard of before um i'll do a little bit of research and i'll be like oh man i have to have this person um in my series so the the really cool thing about xct is that it's all based on um historical characters uh myths and legends from all around the world so we've taken um a myth from native native american um history we've taken a myth from uh the maori mythology from new zealand uh we've taken a myth from aboriginal um uh, mythology here in australia and we've then created like a plausible reason or a character uh that is based off off that mythology so i love doing that that type of research and and that and then then who who fights who is kind of um i'll leave that up to to bend a little bit to kind of see who works well within the within the story and their character arc 
Um, so, but sometimes I'll just be like, oh, we've got to get this person in. He's like, why? I'm like, just because they're cool. They're cool. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, we're not doing that. So, yeah. That's awesome. And then do your, do their backgrounds sort of affect their motivations within the story? 100%. You know, the thing about history uh, uh, is that it's always based uh, or the perception is always based on the winner. Um, so, you know, uh, Spartacus is quite interesting because he's the only person that's really been written about in reverence um, to someone that was on a losing side of, uh, of a battle. So, um, you know, I've always wanted to put my own spin on things. So there's some characters that, you know, in history, they've been made out to be these awesome warriors, you know, really brave and, and all that type of stuff. And then when they get into XCT series, you find out that they either just happen to be in the right place at the right time. They're not as brave as, as, uh, as they've been made out to be uh, and all that type of stuff. So we've kind of flipped uh, some characters on their heads and that's the, the fun part of being able to create your own universe that you can, you can do that. That's, that's that's really awesome. I enjoy like all of those sort of aspects that you you describe there. Um, you know, you you have sort of taking historical elements, you know, folklore that everybody knows, folklore from all over the country, and and bringing them into this 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 sort of arena, this 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 fighting center. Um, when did you guys hook up with with Alex to do the art? Uh, so our original artist on the on the series, Jerry Gaylord, he he comes from Boom Studios. So I was really lucky to have him on the on the first five issues, and he did an amazing job. Uh, but he got picked up by Warner Brothers Studios. So you can't uh, begrudge anyone when they they reach out to you and say, "Hey, look, I just don't have the time anymore uh, to work on your series because I've I've got a job for for Warner Brothers." So uh, he's uh, amazing too. I love Jerry's artwork. And his yeah, life. and now he works for Blizzard. Now he's moved yeah. from, from Warner Brothers across to Blizzard. So I'm like, oh my, oh my god. So um, so I've been very lucky to work with um some you know quite good artists just before they've kind of broken into that next uh next echelon so even on our um anthology series i got to work with eddie nunez who's uh who's doing the um masters of the universe animation for netflix and and that which is which is really cool also so but yeah i just end up uh kind of doing a little bit of research on facebook that's where i kind of uh am most of the time in regards to posting about my business and that um, I don't know really how I, I found Alex within that. I think it might have been on one of the groups. He'd posted up some some images and I, I reached out to him and said, oh, you know, uh, would you be interested in doing a 10-page short story for our anthology? When he sent it through, I absolutely loved his artwork. It was similar enough to, to Jerry that I felt like it wouldn't be too much of a change, but it was different enough also to um feel like it was different and and new and uh interesting so um that was that was how we we come about uh we did that short story and then when jerry pulled out i just reached back out to to alex and said hey look you know our normal artist has pulled out would you be interested in in taking over 
and he was super excited and said, yep. And uh, yeah, we've done two graphic novels with a, a third one uh, in the works soon. So Nice. That means that Alex is about to blow up because you have the, uh, the eye for picking the, uh, the artist uh, before mm-hmm. they, uh, they go on to uh, quote unquote bigger and better things. Yeah, I find that I find that interesting because I always felt like I was like that with uh, music as well. Like I would hear a song and I'd be like, "Oh man, that is that is great," and I'd listen to it for two or three three months, and then after that two or three months, then you'd I'd hear it on the radio, and I was and I was like, "Man, I'm like they're like oh this new song by this artist," and it's like, "Oh yeah, man, I've been listening to that for ages." Like that's not <laughs> that's not new. So I, I find that really interesting, but. Uh, yeah, no, I've been really lucky. And another one of my my close mates, he was working at a um, uh, at a hardware store ho- over here in, in Australia, and he reached out to me when I was doing some looking for some artists, and he's like, "Oh, you know, do you think I've got any talent?" And I'm like, "Oh, you've got a really unique style. I really like your your artwork." And he did a little bit of work for me and and uh he was really enjoying it it's like oh this is my passion and this is what i want to do and he literally chucked in his job and said oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna pursue this full time and now he's picked up a, a contract he does uh children's storybooks so he does all the artwork for for children's storybooks so i feel really lucky that i'm i've been able to be some small part in in watching all these guys go on and do do better things so now I'm just like fingers crossed, going. Come on, man! When when is it my turn? Where can I break into that <laughs> that next uh, next echelon? So yeah, very cool. So um, and then I see that Wilson Go is your colorist. Uh, when did you guys bring him in, or has he worked on uh, this project uh, before? Yeah, he's been uh, with me pretty much since issue. Th- three i, I want to say so i had two different colorists on issue one and and two and uh then yeah wilson's been with me since uh since issue three and he's worked on multiple series for me um he's got a really cool style i would say in the last 12 months he's really upped his coloring coloring level so we've got another series coming out called talus of sparta uh, at the end of October, uh, which is an alt history Spartan series. And the coloring he did on that and the effects he's put in the background just absolutely blew me away. It was like, I was like, man, how come you haven't been doing this for XCT? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. um, so it, it's really cool that, uh, you know, I've, I, I'll, as I said, I, I'll let the guys that do certain aspects in, in my comic uh, do what they do best. I don't try and micromanage them too much. There will be certain things that I ask them to, to change, but I, I have full faith and trust in, in uh, them to produce something of, of a really high quality. And that's something that I'm really passionate and uh, pride myself on, you know, releasing something that could stand up next to a, a DC, a, a Marvel or a, a Boom Studio style comic. That's awesome. Yeah, and that was something that stuck out to me as well is how professional it looks. And and like like you said, like a Boom Studios comic. It looks great. Yeah, yeah I'm just yeah. looking at the uh the the image that's at the top of your Kickstarter page, uh, which I believe is maybe maybe the, the, the cover image to that, uh to this comic. And that thing is that thing is beautiful. You could put that up against anything that's that's on the stands, uh, uh you know, DC Marvel. 
you know, you guys are, you guys are just as much uh, high quality as that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and that's why we've, um, I was always one of those people that were worried about showing off too much of the book and, and like, Oh, will people back it if they see half the book on the Kickstarter or if I post up images and everything. And I've realized that uh, that is a really uh, bad mistake. Uh, the more you can show of your work, the more of your series that you can show, uh, the more likely people are going to back your work because mm. uh, if they like your work and they like what they see, then they're going to want it, whether you show them practically the whole book or not. Um, you know, that they, they, they will still back you. So if anyone's listening and they're worried about that, please, please don't worry about that. It is actually um, helpful and, and actually will hurt you by not showing as much of your book. So on this Kickstarter, you can actually see the first five pages, which are fully lettered um, of the book. So you can get a feel of whether you like the, the style, whether you like the writing and, and that type of stuff before you even even pledge for the, uh, for the book, so um, you know, we're really happy with with everything that we've we've put up there and and all the different uh, images. Uh, this is the first time I've used a couple of videos also in the in the Kickstarter. I've never done that before, so um, you know, you can kind of have a have a look at uh, other aspects of of our series and and animations and that type of stuff as well. Awesome. That's awesome. So um, we, we've talked a lot about the the story and the art and the team, but let's talk a little bit about the 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 aspects of of a Kickstarter. You guys uh, are off to to a really great start. Um, you, you you guys are maybe about uh, 50, 53 percent uh, funded in the first two days. Um, so things are going well and and now you're, you're getting a lot of pledges um are there some hurdles in being an australian creator um that that somebody might face um uh you know I, i'm assuming shipping is is a big is is a big deal um what are what are some of the the hurdles you see there yeah, I think shipping is the the biggest uh, the biggest one. Uh, the the one good thing um, I will say say about being Australian is that the, at the moment the Australian dollar is not doing too good. So if you are in uh, the US or the UK, uh, it actually um, is very cheap um, to to get our books because we usually base our books on um, American prices okay. so say say our books ten dollars um we would do ten dollars australian where when you transfer that over to the us it only works out to be six us dollars so um that is the the one good thing uh but the shipping on on the other hand is is hard uh i've always offered a lot of digital rewards so um if there are a lot of people that are international that just want to kind of try the the series out first uh, we offer a lot of um digital rewards with the whole back catalog included um so with our our latest one i've found that when i've done because i've done so many kickstarters we might have had someone back the digital award last time, but then when this Kickstarter comes around, they actually go for the whole package and they get 
everything that they've already got digitally uh, in the physical format. So that's really exciting to see that, you know, they liked it so much digitally that they've, they've come back and they've rebought everything again, uh, but on the physical tier. So, um, you know, I think just being able to communicate to, to people like, uh, what they get and what they get for their, their dollar. Cause you just want to make sure that they see value in it. Um, and yeah, just, just, you know, just probably the time difference is the other thing that I found a little bit difficult, just trying to make sure that I'm either posting or promoting at the, at the right times. And I think this is the first Kickstarter I've kind of got that right. I've been able to work out the time difference, do either live shows or live streams and that to cater to, to different time zones. And I would definitely recommend that to, to anyone moving forward. If you want to hit different target markets, work out the time zone difference and then, you know, uh, cater it for, for them. So are you doing things like, uh, sort of setting your alarm clock and maybe waking up in the, the, the middle of the night for you to, to, to do a post that would hit somebody um, in Europe or, or in America? Uh, so the good thing with social media is you can schedule posts. Okay. <laughs> so, so I don't have to wake up, wake up and do that. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I've done a, a little bit of um, post scheduling so that uh, it will hit certain time zones at uh, different times, especially with, with my Facebook. I've got a lot of people that are international people. And if I post at 6 uh, p.m. my time, that is 6 a.m. Um, at someone else's time. And by the time they might look at their uh, uh, Facebook feed at, at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm so far down their list that you, you the post just gets lost. So by doing those type of things, I've found has been good on social media. And then from the video side and the live stream side, I've tried to tee it up at about that 7.30, 8 o'clock uh, time zone in each place. So we had a, uh, an Australian launch on Friday night and uh, had people come along and we did you know special giveaways and all that type of stuff on the Friday night. And then on the Saturday morning, which happens to be uh, the US's Friday night, we we did another one and we did we made it the US launch. So we did it with a group of guys over in America called uh, Crypto Comics Marketplace and uh, that was super fun and, and that went for a couple of hours and, you know, the amount of uh, pledging and the amount of interaction that you get doing those type of events was, you know, was fun, but also um, really humbling type of thing. So to, to be 53% in, in two days is just uh, beyond, beyond uh, um, you know, what I, I would have thought at the start of the, the Kickstarter. That, that's, that's really cool. So, yeah. um, you know, this, this is a, a series that seems to, uh, you know, hit on a lot of uh, aspects of comics and, and history and, and, and putting, you know, a, a thing about comics is, is that you can sort of, you know, you think about like uh, old DC comics, they would grab He-Man and just throw He-Man into to like the DC universe for a little bit. And it just seems like this is something that you're doing here. But are there, are there other stories that you want to tell? Um, yeah, definitely. We've got a, a couple of um, other crossovers that we're, we're looking at doing. But we, the one thing that 
I'm really passionate about is that uh, it has to be a good story and it has to be a good fit. Uh, the one thing that I, I don't want to do is just uh, do something for a gimmick or for the, the sake of sales or something like that. Um, you know, I want to do it because it fits in with the characters, mm -hmm. uh, it fits in with the universe and, and it's a good story as well so um you know there's there's a lot of indie uh comic books out there that i'd love to do do crossovers i'd really like to do something with a horror uh comic so if there is anyone out there that's uh, that uh has got a good horror comic series i'd really love to see uh spartacus go go into something where there's you know a serial killer or something like like that but uh you know i, I never want to put a limit on on what i would and wouldn't do because uh the the minute you do that the the minute doors start to close for you so i'm always open-minded about any opportunities or or any ideas people come come to me with awesome so you had mentioned earlier that you've always sort of been drawn to sort of visual storytelling um would you would you like to do things outside of comics or would you like to see your comics uh, move into other areas? Do you, uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, we, uh, we pitched XCT very early on to Netflix. Um, so the, the first uh, feedback we got from them was that, uh, you know, they would just chew through the amount of stuff that we had created so far too quickly to, to kind of um, do a series or anything like that on. So we uh, have gone out and done a couple of anthologies to expand our universe um, and increase the amount of characters that we've got in. So um, in the next you know, 12, 18, 24 months, I'd like to, to go back and, and re-pitch to, to them and see whether they'd be interested in, in turning um, XCT uh, into a into a TV series, uh, and then also, you know, crossing over with a, a video game. That's probably not something I thought I would have done when I first started uh, this series. So to be able to, um, you know, uh, go into a comic book series, we've got Spartacus the main hero, but I'd like to to get another couple of uh, characters into into that video game, which would be which would be very cool. And and uh, if there was an opportunity, maybe to to make a, a board game, um, I wouldn't mind uh, uh, reaching out and doing doing something uh, along that as well. So, yeah. You've had some media crossover already. I was looking at the poll quotes for this book, and you've gotten a couple of the stars of the, what I'm guessing is the Spartacus TV show, right? To do some quotes Correct. about the comic? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm very, very lucky that... Um, when I, I released uh, XCT, uh, Spartacus was uh, just wrapping up um, on uh, the, the you know, free-to-wear TV here in, in Australia. And, and that, so there was a little bit of um, fanfare around it. So I was uh, able to do a couple of conventions, uh, two, in, two in Paris uh, and one in the United States that were all based around the, the Spartacus TV show. So when I did those, um, those conventions, I was lucky enough to, to meet a few of the actors. Um, you know, I gave them a few of, uh, a few of the books to read and then they were kind enough to actually, uh, do some quotes that I was able to, to use for, um, you know, 
um, market uh, market promotion and, and that type of stuff. So uh, then from there, our our relationship has kind of evolved. So um, Barry Duffield, who who played Lugo on the on the Spartacus TV series, he came to me with a, a horror graphic novel called Dead Man's Land and he was wanting to to kind of do a special edition of that and and uh print it and you know get a, a hit a different audience. So I was like, okay, let's team up and, and put that out. So uh we printed that book and then this year, uh a couple of weeks ago we just announced that we um, have just signed on to a deal with um, Dan Furigal, who uh, plays Agron on the series, and we're we're going to create a cyberpunk crime uh, comic book called uh, Fractured Shard. So um, sure. we're going to to launch that in December uh, with him. So um, which is kind of cool, and and that we we announced that uh, the week uh, Berserker went uh, on Kickstarter, <laughs> and I was like, and I was like. We, we we had been thinking about this for for twelve months and in the talks to it and I've gone Keanu Reeves beat us to the punch. So <laughs> we launched but, the same um, day as our Kickstarter too. We understand the pain. So yes, completely understandable. Yes. Yeah. So no, Sean, this is this has been awesome. Like uh, I've I've been looking at the page and and the art is this is amazing. But talking yeah. to you and and hearing more about this story, it's 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 even more intriguing. Uh, but as we close up here, um, why don't you give us a, uh, a an elevator pitch? Uh, tell us a little bit more about the series. Uh, so for folks listening, we can entice them even more to 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 go in and back the Kickstarter. Okay, so XCT Infinity is the industry's first ever Australian crossover between acclaimed comic series XCT and video game multiverse Infinity Wars. It sees our hero Spartacus thrown into the heat of battle in the Infinity Heroes universe. Uh, he doesn't know who is friend and foe, so he must fight to the death to escape and get back to the XCT. Wow, that that I that just sounds awesome. Uh, it's just is so cool. So, uh, Sean, I, I I love talking to you about this. Um, uh, we're gonna have links uh, to the Kickstarter and into your social media. Uh, but I'm assuming the best way for folks to to find the Kickstarter is to to go on Kickstarter and search for for XCT Infinity. Uh, right, that that that'll take them there uh, as quickly as possible. Yep. So that's that's the best way to get there. So it's just uh, XCT and then the word infinity. Um, so if you search that on Kickstarter, you'll be able to, to find that um, straight away. And yeah, you know we've got the whole back issues um, for for uh, anyone that wants to read the whole series. But um, as this is a mini series, it's also a great jumping on point to see whether it's something that uh, interests you and, and you like the characters and stories as as well. So I think that's the best thing about these type of things is that it can appeal to to those long time term readers as well as our new people as well awesome and you personally what would be the best way to to follow you online so you can stay up to date on this book and and books that come out in the future 
Yeah, so the best way is uh, through my comics to movies uh, business. So that's comics, the number two movies. Uh, you can find that on uh, Facebook. You can find it on Twitter. You can find it on Instagram, uh, all the uh, even on LinkedIn, all of the, the social media aspects. It's all comics to movies. Uh, and we've also got our own website, www.comicstomovies.com.au. Uh, we've got a newsletter that you can sign up to, and we'll even provide you the, the first issue of XET for free if you sign up to that as well. Very cool. So we're going to have links to the Kickstarter and all of that in, in the show notes to make it as easy for everybody uh, to, to click, check, sign up for, for newsletters, test out the test out the, the first issue. All of that stuff will, will be in the, in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, no problem. Thank Noah, um, as we as we close up, uh, any uh, any final thoughts, uh, final questions? Uh, no, uh, just would you come back and talk more about your other projects? Uh, definitely, I would. I would. I would love to come back. As I said, we've got a, a, a busy, a busy schedule. Uh, you know, the the Talos of Sparta one. I'm I'm super excited about. I've always been interested in in Spartans, and that's a, an alt history one. What happens if uh, Sparta defeats Rome and becomes the the powerhouse of of what we call Europe? So, I'm um, very so excited awesome. about that. And then the the Dan Furigal one. Um, just to be able to work with him is amazing. But uh, he's got, that's a very twisted, um, R-rated, the boys style uh, graphic novel, which is, is going to push the boundaries of, of anything we've done. So we, I'd love to come back and, and talk about those uh, uh, as well. So Very cool. Well, Sean, awesome. we, t- we tell a lot of folks that they have, uh, they have an open invite to come back and, and talk to us about those, those projects. So we're, we're putting you on notice now that, that you're coming back to talk about those things. Perfect. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank you for, for being on. Uh, for anybody listening, if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service that you use, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we are on social media. Twitter is at ConstructComPod. Facebook and YouTube is Constructing Comics. Instagram is at Constructing Comics Pod. Um, Please check out the Facebook page for Ageless Press. Um, Noah and I are involved in the Dino Thrashers uh, Kickstarter that's going on now. Um, so we're going to have links to that stuff and Sean's stuff in, in the show notes, as I said earlier. But I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please be safe, uh, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you. <laughs>